Welcome to Making Sense of Mindfulness with Keith McPherson and your co-host, Krista Hope. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Making Sense of Mindfulness. This is Keith McPherson here, and really happy to be back on the air tonight after having two weeks off of traveling and spreading mindfulness across the country. And, um, yeah, tonight's going to be a really, really special show. Krista Hope is um, unfortunately unable to to join us for the show tonight. She's got a couple of other commitments that are happening. But um, I couldn't let another week go by without having a a show because I know this is a really important um, spot for a lot of you that tune in and also for myself. So here we are, and it's um, where I am in the – on the planet is in Winnipeg right now. Tonight we uh, are going to have a really, really special guest who is a, a return visitor to the show and is, um, I call her my ginger sister because we both have red hair and um, share this common love and practice of mindfulness. And she's just got the biggest heart ever. And so Bonnie Schroeder is going to uh, be joining us in a few moments on the show tonight. And she's going to bring some love, some joy just being in this woman's presence is uh, radiating. You feel it. I um, think about some of the people in my life that just just by being in their presence alone has this transformative effect, and she is definitely one of those people. I was uh, I've only had a, that happen a few times in my life. I'm thinking about um, a vocal coach that I worked with on Canadian Idol. She was also like that. Uh, her name was Deborah Bird, and. From the minute I met that woman, I don't know what that secret was, or I didn't at the time, but she just had this amazing ability to bring me right into the present moment. And at the time, I didn't know that was happening, but I look back now and I think, wow, she was definitely just embodying this place of mindfulness. And um, over the last couple of weeks as I've been traveling, I've been, it's come up a lot for, uh, the question of, how do I practice mindfulness when I have so much going on? How do I add another thing onto my to-do list? And um, I, I, I've been trying to convey, and I want to convey it here again tonight, that this practice of mindfulness isn't just another checkbox on your to-do list. This is a, a practice of being. It's a, an embodiment. It's a way of showing up in the world in every present moment. And it's a way of being while you are even looking at your to-do list and as opposed to just adding on extra activities. It's, it's a way of literally being and questioning yourself about how am I being right now? Well, I am doing. And I mean, there are these formal practices too that, you know, we, we can talk about where literally you, you carve out time and create space and, and sit and breathe and meditate and connect. But this is just a constant ongoing practice as well that we, we literally start living. And I, I think about people like um, Dead Bird and, and Bonnie, who's going to join us tonight. And they are literally living, walking examples of people that are committed to, to mindfulness practice in real time as a live event, as opposed to a to-do list on your, 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 your check mark on your to-do list. So tonight, um, yeah, I, I'm going to bring Bonnie on here. And Bonnie, I guess without further ado, welcome to uh, the show and welcome back. It's great to have you here. Hi, Keith. Hello, my ginger brother. Um, those are some big shoes to fill, my friend. 
That's big a, shoes. <laughs> yeah. The uh, perpetual presence. I, I will admit that I am very human, and many people who know me know that I am very human. Um, but I do love mindfulness. It's just, um, uh, I guess it's one of those things that it, we discover later on that, oh, this is exactly what I needed to bring myself back into balance and into wholeness. And and now we, we teach from that place where we overflow into the world because it's certainly on that uh, grade 12 checklist of what do you want to do? It wasn't on the list. So um, I just sort of stumbled upon it as a practice in, in my own exploration of what lies beneath the surface of these magnificent precious bodies and minds of ours and so yeah that's so it's great to be with you again keith thank you for the invite yeah oh it's just awesome spending time with my ginger sister is uh is so energizing and i'm really excited that we have people um tuning in tonight that are also living and wanting to deepen their their practice of mindfulness and um i want to encourage people that are listening live tonight to to feel free to call in and share stories, ask questions, uh, contribute to the conversation. This is a, a time that we've carved out for building this community of, of mindfulness and discussion on anything going on in your life. So um, I should say the guest call-in number is 914-338-0905. And uh, we're totally encouraging you to jump out of your comfort zone and, and call in and join us tonight. And if you're just listening as well, we've, we've got lots planned for the show tonight. And I, I have a question for you to start off, Bonnie. Okay. Um, just back to this whole um, practice of embodying a mindfulness, I guess, way of being in the world. And as I was saying in the intro, like to me, I look at you and I see the effect that you have on people, um, mm. the impact that you have on people. And I'm just curious if there was like, a moment in your life where you you kind of had that aha, where you you kind of dialed that or fine-tuned that in and, and became aware of that impact you're having, or are you even aware of it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I I had really, really great teachers. Uh, yeah, Deanna Sylvester, Colin Muir, and a whole lot of integral teachers who really helped me to keep my feet on the ground in this whole unfolding process because my natural tendency is to be up in the ethers a bit more and and I just finished seeing some incredible clients uh, just before the show so uh, my kite fling, my kite's flying a little bit high right now I'll try and ground in this body here um, so I don't know that um, I don't know if there was one particular point I do recall that um, anybody can go back and listen to the, the last show I did with you and get a bit of my history but the in how this sort of came to be. But I do remember this so-called synchronistic encounter with the Dalai Lama in, in northern India where I did a, a 11-day silent retreat, you know, just for the fun of it because I was curious. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had... I had barely meditated before. So um, it's moments like that, and I will say it's those peak experiences that you have in things like retreats and especially silent retreats because you can't run away from yourself. You're there. And so it's really keeping, um, afterwards, keeping notice 
of how you're living your life and creating space for those peak experiences to really sink in and integrate because we can become these peak experience junkies where we go from one workshop to one intensive to another. And so, like I said, these, these especially silent moments and, and longer periods with ourselves is really helpful in shaking loose some of that old patterning. But, um, and so I, I would say the Dalai Lama was one for me. And then nature does it for me all the time. It just cracks me open in the, best possible way um, where I'm there and then I am expanding. I am this expanded version of who I thought I was. Um, And we all can have, it's nothing special uh, that we're doing. It happens by accident, but we can help to set the stage for that by doing practices. So by practicing mindfulness or meditation or some sort of contemplative practice where we're getting out of our head and becoming really conscious of our choices and our thoughts and our actions and just living a bit more awake than maybe we were before. And so it creates this whole landscape for these happy accidents to happen. So I can't even pinpoint it to one other than that Northern India, which was really my first experience of it. Um, And now I, I am... Just trying to keep my feet on the ground, my brother. <laughs> I love it. Well, I can hear that you're flying over there on so many levels right now. I, I'm curious, too, you mentioned this piece about nature and how that just really does it for you in terms of connection. And it just popped in to ask you this question because I know you and I often go into nature together and we, we go for these incredible walks and we, we connect. And just in your view of it or your perspective of it, what is it about nature that somehow has this healing transformative effect? What, what do you think that is? Like, why is that, that when we go into nature and just let go, like what exactly is that that is happening there? Well, it's interesting that you say you invite that, that sort of pondering, inner pondering. And the first thing that comes up for me are the words Buddha nature and true nature and some of these these words in the spiritual language that languaging and, and domains that the Buddha, if you drop the true, there's the consistency there is nature. And so it just, it just occurred to me now that, Oh, that, that is with it all the way along. And so we come up lots of views around how we get here, but you know, one of the versions is we come up from, you know, stardust and bits of clay and we evolve from there. And so it's like returning back. If you think this beautiful transition when people die, I was at a a dear friend's parents funeral on the weekend and I think when we're cremated we're returned back to nature again so imagine all these ancestors just were they're communing with us when we're in nature and also just with the sun it has all the frequencies of the chakras of all the the healing energies that we need it gets a bad rap sometimes but uh, it really is a real healing force and so if you imagine nature is such a healer and it's like being held by the most loving grandmother, even if we we're bratty kids and don't treat the grandmother very well, it's like Mother Earth is this incredible grandmother that stewards us and supports us all the way along. What is it for you, Keith? Because I know you really love nature as well. Mm, well, as you're talking, I'm getting chills, so thank you for that. <laughs> um, 
I, I would be along the same lines as what you're saying. And as you're talking, it, it already just, again, I was saying earlier, being in your presence of you sharing connects me back to this place as well of nature and just that oneness is the word that pops in. And I'm just thinking about, you know, where, where we, we arrived from, where we came from. And I, I'm intrigued by this idea. I mean, as a, as a musician as well, I, I think about how I write songs and how I've written songs and, and this book as well. And it, it, it's, it's like from this place of nowhere, all of a sudden we arrive and we're like in this new state called now here. And it's literally the same word, nowhere and now here. I find that such a dichotomy. And in the now here, I think a lot of times we tend to get disconnected in our busyness and in our consciousness of thinking that we're separate from but hearing you talk about, you know, just the how the stardust and the connection to where everything originates and, you know, to the human mind, I mean, it's just impossible to, to pin that down to go, oh, this is where we originated. But I know, and I get a sense at least, that there's a, a oneness that we come from that I might refer to right now as nowhere. And it, it's like that current or that life force that seems to, I guess emulate or I guess flow through is the right way to say it flow through all of us including the trees and including the grass and the the animals and I I love this practice and I love what you're talking about connecting to nature because it's just as soon as we go back into that state of uh, you know letting go of all the human forms and you know whether it's taking a walk in the woods or even in down your in your neighborhood and paying attention to the nature around us we instantly remember, and even if it's unconscious, we remember that, yeah, there's something deeper here than just my ego, you know, and <laughs> some people might even call that God. You know, the word God seems to intimidate a lot of people that I've come across. People are like, God, oh, that's religious. But I'm speaking about God right now in the sense of, if you hear the word God, what I hear in there is, is the sound awe, and I think about that state of awe, like that that oneness, that creative force that is blinking our eyes right now and breathing our breath. And, you know, I, I also think about ego. And Wayne Dyer used to call ego edging God out. And we have this crucial choice in every moment to, you know, be, be connected, be in that oneness, or literally edge the awe out, like edge God out and, and think, oh, I'm separate from and I'm not going to connect. So that's what's coming up as we're talking about this for me. It's just this inherent connection to nature that brings us right back into that state of awe, which I think is our origination. <laughs> so you're blowing my mind over there. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And and nature really does. It, it's so far beyond form, as you were saying. It's this infinite remembering, remembering who we are fundamentally, fundamentally who we are. And in that space, Keith, there is no other. There is no other to be angry at or to be lashing out at or to be sad about. There's, and it's not that we don't, we're very human. In between all those awe states, those peak experiences where we remember, we have a, a taste of it. And we'll know when we're having a taste, it's metaphorically we are dropped to our knees. And we are so humbled and so grateful for that moment. And wow, we just, that's when uh, some people have what they call nature mysticism, where they're 
walking through the forest and all of a sudden they become, they're not separate from the forest. They are the forest. They're not separate right. from the tree or the sky. They are that. And so just imagine the molecules in your body just uh, expanding to be all of it, all of it. And, you know, the, the namaste prayer, the light in me uh, uh, sees and acknowledges and honors the light in you. It's, that we're acknowledging also that infinite universe that resides within each of us. It, it's outside of us and it's infinitely within us. And so it's this beautiful uh, one touch. It's one taste, one touch. And in that place, there is no other. If we all were in that perpetual state of awakeness, presence, there would be no wars, nothing. There would, there would be nothing to fight against because it's all this, grand projection right this great dream that's happening outside of us sometimes it feels like a nightmare sometimes it feels like uh, a paradise dream mm, i love it i'm thinking of mark twain right now and he had this quote um, <laughs> yeah he talks you you sound very poetic over there and, and i'm so <laughs> resonating with what you're saying and mark twain had this quote around forgiveness and uh, it went something like forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that crushed it. It's mm. like the sense of going underneath the surface of, you know, the uh, temporary and, and just in that state of awe, that state of love um, connection. You're right that like we, we can't, war doesn't exist on that level of reality, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, just blowing my mind right now in, in terms of I'm thinking about, um, this phrase, ikaponomea, in Hawaiian, which means everything is happening perfectly on time. And even our enemies that, that might show up, you know, in, in our lives, or the annoying coworker next to you, or the, you know, the person that's just not your best friend, or, you know, those people have so much to teach us. And in some ways, I'm thinking about how it, they're like almost strategically placed by the universe so that we can learn the lessons of what it means to come back to forgiveness and aloha and allowing um, ourselves to connect back to the oneness, despite this illusionary separateness. Yeah, yes, absolutely. That, and yeah, this whole dynamic that happens within us, whether or not we're paying attention to it, if we're not focused inward we only see the war that's outside of us if we're also focused inward we also see the incongruence and the the resistance and the the wars that are happening within ourselves towards ourselves so there was a oh there was a great um line from and i i for, for some people they'll they'll know it very well but i it's it's essentially you can't hate yourself into loving yourself (laughs) <laughs> exactly right it's so true where's so the true. peace wow anyways i'm i'm curious keith for you how does that like in your everyday life how do you stay awake so by awake i mean how do you stay conscious how do you stay present what are things that that you do or or ways that you situate yourself in in your day that help you to stay awake Hmm, that's such a great question. And, and by awake, besides taking, um, drinking a coffee in the afternoon, or talking about <laughs> yeah. being present, just to clarify, being <laughs> I don't present actually drink, drink coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a coffee I don't drinker. Know. I'm not either. It's very rare. We're, we're yeah. not only 
gingers with red hair that are only, you know, 4% of the population or less. We also are non-coffee drinkers. We're a couple of unicorns here. Oh, we have so many things in common, my sister. <laughs> my so, sister sorry, from another get, mother. <laughs> getting back to the, the, the question yeah. for you, because I'm really interested in, because you go and you see so many people and you have so much going on in your world where you're helping so many people out there and talking at conferences and, and mm-hmm. flying across Canada and doing all of this amazing work. How do, you know, how do you keep your frequency up? How do you stay conscious and not get bowled over by it and, and get caught in it? Yeah, it's a great question. Well, I, I'm inspired so much every day by uh, the words of St. Francis. He talks about um, in dying, we're born to eternal life. And very much along the same lines of what we've been talking about tonight somatically, I, I catch myself when I start buying into this um, temporary illusion of there's not enough time or there's not enough money or uh, I don't have time to, to get to this place. I, like, I start picking up the cues. And this all begins for me with a morning practice every morning where I um, do more of a formal version of what I might call anchoring, where, you know, I sit when I first get up and I just focus in on my breathing and I ask a question every morning um, to, to what I would call my higher self or to God or to spirit, that part of me that is the creative. And I just ask the question, what do you want me to know right now? And I listen. I, I tr- I've trained my mind to listen. And every day without missing I get these these little whispers that pop in and it's just the difference is it's not my busy brain because it comes or it's accompanied by this peacefulness it's like this feeling of just yes in every part every cell of my body and so I listen and I every day get a little message from spirit and when I get those messages I then just write them down I let myself channel it down this is kind of more of my formal beginning of the day and out of that, as, as many of you know, I, I write a, a morning quote or intention that kind of flows in. And then from there, I, I try to carry that on throughout the day where it's um, I, the practice of anchoring, where I really treat as best I can, moment to moment, being anchored in where am I now? And guaranteed, my mind is going to wander. I mean, our minds, I think, wander, they say, for like 47% of the time or more. But when I leave the building by accident, or maybe not by accident, I notice, oh, I've wandered and I'm stressing out. I pause as soon as I become aware of it, which right away, just by pausing, I, I go, oh, I've, I've left the building. And I take a deep breath, a hot breath, and I'm back. As soon as I take that breath, I'm back. And when I'm back in my mind and body, I just focus on the present again. And I'm, if I'm in a conversation, I'm like, I'm with you. If I'm brushing my teeth, I'm not wandering around the whole house thinking about everything. I just go, hang on, I'm wandering. Pause. Deep breath. You're brushing your teeth. Just be here. And it's just this constant coming back throughout the day. Um, it's a living meditation, so to speak. And that's, I mean, that to me is like saving grace to get through this crazy rat race called life. And I, one thing I'm working on right now, just as well, because I'm also human and trying to, you know, live this place of mindfulness, I, I, I need to practice saying no more. And that's one other piece that I think is really important is because there's so many opportunities that come in for us on a day-to-day basis, and a lot of them are, like, really exciting, I have to 
consciously take more time and put my hand on my heart and ask the highest part of myself and my intuitive self, you know, what do you want with this situation? Yes or no? And when my intuition says no, I can't let my mind say yes or else my <laughs> everything that's connected starts going, no, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. So I guess one, one practice that I'm also working on in this area is the ability to just say no when it's a resounding no and knowing the difference. So that's a great question. What, what about for you? What, uh, what keeps you in the present moment too? Because you also have a pretty full slate, Bonnie, in terms of all the clients you work with and the workshops you're doing. And... Yeah, well, you know what? Our, our practice seems to be pretty similar. And like you, I have a, a formal practice and an informal practice. So by that, I mean there's a formal practice where I sit with myself on my meditation cushion and just be with myself in this stillness as best I can. And then there's the informal practice that is off the cushion that is like these drops of gold through your day that just continue to remind you to stay awake, like to stay present, like you you were saying when you're brushing your teeth, just brush your teeth. Absolutely. And so our practices are very similar and, and, what when I'm sharing with people like um, clients or or students who come to the workshops or whatever it is I'm offering, it's always reminding them that when the mind wanders, it's not a problem, not a problem. So many people want to make it a problem, uh, but it's not at all a problem that their mind wanders and we're human. And like you were saying, you got some things that you're you're trying to learn how to say no. And me too. My my Achilles heel is don't fill the space, whether it's in my house or it's in my day or it's within myself. Don't fill the space. So whether it's thoughts or another pair of shoes that I think I must have or it's, uh, you know, it's as big or as small as all of these things. Or is it I need to fill my day? with something to and so it's just allowing myself to be more for me uh to be more in my day without trying to fill it um and so the two pieces two primary pieces where our mind wanders we notice it wanders without judgment as best we can without judgment we bring it back and then we begin again so just that two steps the mind wanders you're acknowledging your humanness and then you, without judgment, you bring it back and begin again. And so in that, there's this beautiful cultivation of compassion because there isn't a judgment there and it's a repetitive pattern and you begin again and again and again as if it's a blank page. So, and even with this, while I'm talking to you, I'm in my outdoor office, and you may hear that there's emergency vehicles flying by. And I will suggest to people, it's not an emergency. Right now, in this moment, for somebody else, it might be an emergency. And so we send them lots of love. But in this moment, so often in our everyday, we create, we, if it's not a problem, we're looking for a problem because we're used to so many problems. Or we we create these little dramas, these little emergencies. And so it's just starting to very compassionately notice our mind's very crafty nature in which it distracts us from being present with these Mm. precious bodies and minds and hearts. 
Yeah. I love it. As you're speaking, it's reminding me a lot too of um, when I, I practice life coaching and I'm, I'm working with a client one-on-one and I'm, I'm sure I'm guessing you must experience this too, but one of my greatest teachers, um, Deborah Coleman, who's just like a master coach, uh, taught me this practice of, it's called process coaching. And I was just working with some, a group of teachers on Friday around how do I integrate mindfulness into the classroom? And I was thinking about Deborah and this process coaching. It's really that same practice, and it's like living it. It's like embodying this place of, of the present moment now. And so often, you know, when I'm listening to people share stories or somebody comes to me for some coaching, a lot of times like their struggles or their, what they're trying to work through isn't actually based in the now. And it's, they're like almost on a tangent retelling a story or, or speaking about the fear of what's coming up. And I, I found that with this process coaching or this place of presence, it's like, what's here now? It's such a great question yes. to ask, right? Yes. What's going on in the right now for you? And, you know, what's it like to feel that right now? And in the context of that, it, it brings people into the experience of this live event called life, which is happening right now. It's not happening, <laughs> you know, five, even five minutes from now. It's like right here. So when, when I leave the building, uh, I'm in a story mode, which is not always bad. When you come back to here now, it, like this is the moment of power. This is where all the magic is, is returning to here and going, what's here now? Who's here now? You know, and I'm just I'm thinking of that as we're talking about this. And with the the teacher I was speaking with on Friday about this, she was we were speaking about it in the context of um, one of her students who she's been trying to teach mindfulness to, and the student just refuses. He's like, I don't want to do mindfulness. This is so stupid. Why would we do this? Let's do math. Let's do science. And so we started um, modeling it with each other, and she played the role of the student, and I gave her sort of a, a practice of um, process coaching or just kind of modeled it for her and it was questions like you know it seems like right now you really don't want to do mindfulness well yeah the student says it's like well what do you want to do right now and out of her as we were role-playing it was like well I, I'd rather be reading a book and as the teacher it was like just giving that student permission okay well if you go read the book while the rest of us do mindfulness will that work for you yes and like so it's like really allowing each other to be who we need to be in the present moment without judgment. And out of that, um, you know, people's shoulders finally can relax. We're no longer feeling like we have to conform. And it was just such a, a really neat kind of learning about how important it is to, to just allow ourselves to ask what's here now, who's here now. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and coming back again and again and again. Oh, it's it. It sounds like such an easy and simple concept, but it can take a lifetime to be doing it. And and even here, it's we we didn't prepare a list of questions. It's no, can we be with each other here and speak to whatever is arising in this moment, rather than have some some agenda that, oh, I, I, I want to talk about this or that. It's, no, can we just be here and see what's arising, really greet what's arising with an open openness? And if we can do that with each other in our everyday life, 
man, it would change our lives just to, just to be with. So these deep listening practice, it's so important. We always are sort of trying to get our point across or, or convince somebody of our, our way might be a better way or whatever it is when we haven't even heard theirs yet. And so these deep listening practices can be so transformative. And then it, it, it turns so that then you start to deeply listen to yourself and really cultivate and hone our intuition and really tap into this inner wisdom that, you know, we can discover along the way that was there all along. But uh, we just didn't know it because we were so busy being out there and across the streets and 10 years behind us and everywhere but here. And so just really, really interesting how we can get so lost in the, the past or the future that we're missing all of the magic that's happening right in front of us. Mm-hmm. There's, um, as we're speaking about this too, and, and the deep listening, uh, it's come up a few times tonight in my intuition. Just, I think about the wisest texts ever, ever written, you know, from the Bhagavad Gita to the Bible to, you just name it, Eckhart Tolle, and they all, to the dog barking even, and they all say, <laughs> uh, I love that, <laughs> they all say, um, co-create, you know, yeah. like co-create, and co-create with what? Co-create with the highest part of yourself, the, the part of you that's connected to the greater, the part of you that's connected to creativity and to all wisdom. And how do we do that? And for, for me, I found one of the best ways is through tra- training or teaching my mind how to listen to the, the stillness, the silence. And um, as, as that's coming up, I just, I know we've, we've only got a few, maybe about 10 minutes left on the, the program, but I was just curious, Bonnie, if you'd be up for taking us through just maybe a short guided inward meditation to do a little co-creating and listening. Why not? Maybe the the dog is very good at listening out here. (laughs) That's great. I Um, love it. Okay, you'll flag me when we have... uh, We have how many minutes? A few minutes. Okay, I'll take you on a five... Just a five-minute drop-in. And you know what? I say... So just situate yourself in some some place in your... Wherever you are, where you can be as comfortable as possible. So not so comfortable that you fall asleep. We're going to try to do our best to fall awake. And then just really be here, noticing the breath, noticing the ground beneath you, and maybe there's a chair or a cushion between you and the ground, or maybe you're walking somewhere or in your car. Really notice the base of your body here, connected to the ground. Notice all the sounds around you. So we notice them and then we just let them dissolve into the background. And what takes center stage is this awareness of the sensations in the body. So noticing where the hands are connecting with the body. Noticing the sensations of that. Keep it really simple. Maybe you relax the tongue away from the front teeth. So often we're getting ready to speak, communicate outward. So the invitation is just to begin to listen to the communication that's happening from within. So relaxing the tongue, even if it's a millimeter away from the teeth, and just notice how that might change what's going on inside of you. 
And then become aware of the breath. Maybe it's deep, maybe it's shallow. Just observing, how are you showing up today and really being kind rather than having a story? And Maybe your mind has wandered many times already, but rather than having a story about how you're showing up today, see if you can just be with yourself and allow however you showed up today in this moment just to be how it is. We already are enough. Just as we are here. Breathing in. Breathing out. Noticing if your shoulders are rising up and down, if it's more of a vertical breath. I'm going to invite you to see if you can breathe horizontally. So this diaphragmatic breathing where you can even, if you want, place your your palms on the sides of your rib cage and just see if you can move your palms with your ribs for some more horizontal breathing so your rib cage expands out. Especially if we are challenged with really stressful life or maybe anxiety or depression, we tend to breathe really shallow and the shoulders are up and down. See if you can bring that full capacity of the lungs, that oxygen to the full capacity of the lungs. It's like waves of the ocean. The rib cage expands outward. Relaxes inward. Find your own rhythm. Breathing here together. One breath many bodies not so separate after all wanders you come back and maybe your breath has taken you to a deeper part in you, within you that all thoughts and outer sensations and inner sensations just drop away, just dissolve into the background. Beautiful. All of that, too. That is your true nature. Neddy, neddy. Not this, not that. Rest in the space. In the stillness. of your true nature. In that space, there is no war against yourself or anything else or anyone else. In that space, there's only love. Everything else dissolves away. All the other illusions drop away. Breathing in love. Breathing out love. Breathing in gratitude. Breathing out gratitude. At this moment. Just this.
as you're ready. Make the eyes open if they're closed. And gaze at the ground in front of you. Just a soft gaze. And expand your attention while you're gazing at the ground in front of you. Expand your attention to include everything else around you. Your gaze is fixed on the ground in front of you. You're taking in everything else around you. Imagine this is a taste of that mindful life where your attention is inward, but you're aware of everything else around you. You're living consciously, and the world is still happening, and you're very aware, acutely aware of it all. So lifting your gaze, maybe the world seems a little crisper, maybe it doesn't. There's no right way. There's some perhaps some right ways to meditate and to do a, to take you into those deeper terrains. But however you show up, just getting to your, metaphorically getting to your cushion is the, is the gift. You still with us, Keith? I'm still here, floating. Are you elevated somewhere? <laughs> I am. Thank you. Wow. That is such a powerful practice. And, for those of you, maybe this is the first time you meditated, just uh, whatever's there is exactly on time. So just be in what is here. And uh, thank you. I, My pleasure. I'm really aware of uh, we've only got a few moments left on the show, Bonnie, and mm-hmm. I really want to give a plug out to this amazing workshop that you're hosting this weekend. Can you just let people know about it? Oh, Right. Um, from seven to no, <laughs> I'm in some other space right now too. From one one p.m. to seven this Saturday, this Mother's Day weekend, I was saying to Keith, what a great uh, what a great gift to our parents it must be if we're living um, lives that were where we're content and happy. And so the way to do that is to go inside and be with ourselves with compassion. So from one till seven um, in Polo Park area, uh, there's a silent retreat that I'm guiding. It's a mindfulness uh, silent retreat. And then um, it just sort of floated through on the weekend that some people were wanting to get together to do a, uh, an hour and a half, 10:30 till noon, I think, with just singing bowls and aromatherapy meditation. So that part's not silent; it's a separate piece, but it's in the same location. So there's a couple options okay, for people this weekend. And what do you have to, Keith? Yeah, well, I, I just wanted to finish on dude. Yeah. If you're listening and you're not in Winnipeg, this is happening in Winnipeg, so you'll have to <laughs> find your way to Winnipeg. Yeah. And oh um, yeah, right. Where, where can people Thank find you. out more about this, too? Is it at your Facebook? Um, yeah, on my Facebook or Instagram, or they can email me, integralwellbeing at Gmail. Um, yeah, they can, they can Google Bonnie Schroeder, Winnipeg. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. That's great. Thank I you. Highly, yeah, the people listening, uh, if you haven't had a chance to spend time with Bonnie and you just got a little glimpse of this meditation, I to go and... Uh, and enjoy some time with, with Bonnie. You've got this just absolutely transformative energy. So thank you. Thank you. And Keith, tell me what you're up to. This weekend, uh, well, this week coming up is uh, Mental Health Awareness Week. So I'm actually doing a lot of um, 
different keynote talks on mindfulness. Uh, I'm doing a book release this Thursday night in McGregor, your stomping grounds, McGregor, yeah. Manitoba. Shout and out to McGregor. McGregor. So I'll be at the, the library there on Thursday night offering a, a free mindfulness workshop and reading a little bit from the book. And uh, beyond that as well, a um, couple of, I guess, announcements coming up around my new album, music album. We're going to put together a, a CD release concert. I'm hoping for late June for that as well. So I should have details on that fairly soon. And um, oh, and one last shout out to Lake Winnipeg. We're doing a, a retreat there at the end of the month. So you can check that out at my website as well. Lots going on. <laughs> Fantastic. I love that you're rippling out there all this heart energy into the world, Keith. Thank you. No, vice versa, my mirror sister, ginger sister. So, <laughs> thank you for joining us on the show tonight. And um, thank you, oh, everyone. For, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And um, be well. Be mindfully aware. And on behalf of Bonnie and myself, we're just sending you lots of love. A big hug. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thank Thanks, you, everyone. Keith. You bet. Thank you.